on the viewpoint. Prof. Jimmy Adesina, UCT, is ready. Mr. Mokka van Vieren at Wits University, both of them are ready. Let's now then have a conversation with essentially what is all about academic freedom. Student night, UCT, and the burden of race in academia. Why do we always have to have this conversation with particularly UCT and the black academic caucus there? Um, Jimmy, what's going on at UCT? Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, and uh, good evening to to your listeners as well. Um, look, I, I I think this is not simply. I, I'm I'm based at uh, UNISA. It is not simply a question for UCT. Um, the problem with when we have a situation where an academic or a scholar is challenged on the uh, the nature of the research, the claim, the reporting, throwing up the defense of academic freedom uh, will f- may, may miss out on the other side of, of, of this, which is what is called the responsibility of intellectuals. Yes. It, 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 you know, in other words, you can't have, you can have what I call bad science in this particular uh, being used to underpin what are essentially very Jimmy. judicial tropes. Sorry, Jimmy. Can I please and rudely interrupt you? I am struggling to hear you. I want to revert you okay. back to my right. producers, please. But I have taken note of the responsibility of intellectuals on the one hand versus the need to avoid, so to speak, Bad science. How does that resonate with you, Makwe? Good evening. Thanks for joining us as well. Hi, Songezo. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, Songezo, Z-O. Songezo, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hearing uh, what Professor Jimmy is saying, and, uh, you know, I've read there's been so much that's been back and forth um, from academics, from the media around this issue. Um, you know, the, the Black Academic Caucus, the paper that they actually released as completely um, debunked uh, most of the claims that were made in this paper. So, you know, and, and uh, you know, others as well. So I don't want to actually uh, take the, the position of trying to debunk it scientifically because that has been done. What I want to actually concentrate on is the position that um, the researcher is taking um, that is not being acknowledged in the work. It's an ideological position and quite a sly one um, that is very, in an underhanded fashion, uh, undermining the work that was done uh, uh, in the Thieves Must Fall and Rose Must Fall protests, um, and the whole, you know, the movement that, that developed around that. So, you know, she mentions uh, that fallists, um, you know, decolonial uh, kind of thought belongs to uh, fallists. And, uh, you know, I'm very worried about that, that, that it's, it's so easily characterized. Any decolonial thought is just so easily characterized around that movement. She also characterizes this as an emotional kind of thing. Um, and I think we need to be very careful around uh, those characterizations, that any decolonial thought is emotional, that it is a fallist position that is only kind of connected to a certain moment in 2015, 2016. 
Um, you know, this comes through very clearly in the paper. And, uh, and I think it's a very sly move to actually hide a political position that's being taken in the paper and in the writing of the paper and in the defining of, uh, you know, the certain group of respondents as black. You know, I, I really think that that needs to be challenged, the way in which it's very easy for a researcher to simply divide a group of respondents on campus, some of whom are students and who have their own political position, who have their own social and cultural position, to simply characterize them as black, to characterize any uh, decolonial thought or any thought that might challenge, uh, uh, you know, a colonial approach to uh, academia as fallist, etc. Um, it becomes very, very easy to simply sweep under the carpet uh, relevant challenges to uh, that kind of academic, um, well, I would call it very brutal, actually, and quite a violent uh, division and uh, char- characterization and categorization of uh, a cohort of students. And me as a lecturer, you know, I'm concerned about that because, you know, students are my concern as well. And if students are so easily um, just characterized as a cohort of black students that um, also she mentions, uh, you know, have materialist aspirations and values, um, it's very concerning. So, so besides the scientific debunking of that paper that I think needs to be done, there's a political debunking that needs to be done in terms of how easily she uh, characterizes students and categorizes students um, and, and uses a, a survey method to actually quite glibly do that. So th- that's really my concern. You know, I'd like to hear feedback on that and, and dialogue and so on. But, uh, but it's a hidden political agenda that I think is in that paper and that is in the response that she has given to, for instance, the Black Academic Caucus challenge to her paper. It's also being supported by, um, uh, I think, um, you know, a, a DA kind of angle on it. Yeah, the DA has said uh, UCT is on a slippery slope to censoring its own academics and must retract its ill-considered retraction to Professor Natchez's research paper. Let me return to you then, uh, Jimmy Adesanya, Professor of Sociology at UCT. You had made remarks which were very important. Responsibility of intellectuals and the need to steer clear from bad science. Now you have a okay. situation whereby the Democratic Alliance, talking about the political undertones that uh, Maka has referred to, entering the fray here, saying that this is academic censorship. What might your well, response be in relation to what you've already said? Responsibility yeah, of intellectuals yeah, and yeah. bad science. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and this is where the, this is where I think it's it's important to look at the science of the paper itself, and, and I will characterize it as bad science. Okay. First of all, this is a badly designed study. Um, you, don't, you don't undertake a study of this nature with the underlying assumption and have what essentially is an accidental sampling. Uh, the, the, the space exists for her and the other researchers to have collected the data they needed from the university to have a properly stratified random sample survey. So that's, that's, that's one aspect. And the implication of that is that you make claims from a, a research 
that is designed in such a way that you don't, you, those claims cannot be sustained. Second thing is, in fact, the conclusion that NICO draws from the study, what do you call it, study, is the exact opposite of actually what the study actually suggests. So, so let me take as an example. She talks about, you know, uh, uh, you know, black students and so on. So, what the regression model shows quite clearly is that it's attitudinal disposition of the respondent, not race. Because if you look at the paper itself, and by the time you get to uh, what do you call it, uh, the, the final regression model, uh, you know, the black South African variable disappears. From the, from the from the doesn't have an explanation something, and this is where this is where I am particularly concerned. I'm based at UNISA. Uh, I, I have taught at Rhodes University and UBC. Um, this is not, and that's why I say this is not simply about about uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, UCT. Um, and those who rush to the defense of person uh, mattress are not doing us a favor. The the, 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 the the danger we face is that we, the, the, the academic community can be accused of trying to deflect accountability by by using making the claims of academic freedom. And 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 we know that for instance ethical conduct of research, ethical conduct in ethical conduct in the way in which you do administrative work is fundamental for the accountability. She she for instance I claim that the the black uh, what do you call it uh, uh, staff caucus uh, thought police and and the the uh, the other thing is don't shoot the messenger. What if the messenger is actually the message? And that's that's what my colleague on the panel was talking about. What if the basic assumption and the conclusion, basic assumption and the conclusion is not derived from the from the study? And the, the consumption are underpinned by very problematic, highly prejudicial tropes about black South Africans. Summarize for us, please, that study. Um, I'm going to ask you, Mocha, to please summarize that study because, okay, we can at least agree between the two of you that the study was a non-starter. Why are black South African students less likely to consider studying biological sciences? You mentioned the fact that the Black Academic Caucus at UCC has already scientifically debunked some of the outcomes of that. For somebody who hasn't heard about this, is listening to this conversation with a sense of interest but doesn't know exactly what it is, the title means why are south african students black south african students in particular less likely to consider studying biological sciences how would you characterize and summarize it i'll give you a minute and a half because i do have follow-up questions on that please mocha very simply if the study had been the title had been asked black south african students you know likely study biological sciences what the result of this study this on the paper on the table two of the table three of the paper, we say the answer would have been no. It's the opinion that students, the the the, the, the participants in the study, regardless of their racial category, that that actually has a greater explanatory uh, power. But more importantly here is that, you know, there's something they call in statistical analysis rubbish in, rubbish out. If your data is rubbish, it doesn't matter what. Regression you do it to the result will be rubbish. <laughs> so you got to pay attention to how you design the study, and, and and then the nature of your of your data 
and that the assumptions of the statistical analysis you're using, that your data actually meets those. In this particular case, they don't. The conclusion is not derived from the, from, the, from the study. The regression model says exact opposite of what the author claims they say. So Let's... the issue then comes, and, 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 and the reason why I get quite upset by people who seem to jump in and say, oh, this is a violation of academic freedom. What about the responsibility of intellectuals to behave ethically? That's a very classic point because, I mean, when you talk about academic freedom, you can get at Dr. Hendrik French Vervoet and whatever sociology that came out of him gave us essentially the dastardly system that was apartheid. So academic freedom without it being checked, you can get doctors, scholars, so to speak, whatever scholars might mean in this context, of the like of Hendrik French Vervoet and systems may be adopted from such works and give people, give societies, give the world a crime against humanity. Let's move on to you, um, Mr. Van Furen at the University of the Witwatersrand. Everything that um, Prof. Adesina has said clearly does underpin the responsibility of academics with the license that they should have for advancing science, all the while being responsible as intellectuals. Is it in any way possible that the professor, Natris, might have had a case to, in fact, engage on the study. Never mind the rubbish in, rubbish out, that has been since considered by Jimmy. What if there were some genuine questions she wanted to ask about this? How could she go about in engaging this study? On the same topic, why are black South Africans less likely to consider studying biological sciences? Or perhaps without, in fact, in the question um, leading to a conclusion, are black South Africans interested in studying biological sciences? Would that be a better characterization? And how could you engage that very sensitive study in the South African society? No, I think it's a legitimate... It's a, it's I'm, a legitimate asking, I'm asking Mr. Van Furen, Prof, oh, okay, please hold. All right, okay, all right. Thank you, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, um, it's a tough one because I think even in the title there's a problem, you know, um, because there's no definition in the study about who is a black South African, what is their cultural background, what is their economic background. Um, you know, it's a very broad... Uh, characterization that I think, again, you know, is political. But I think, you know, the, um, that issue of how could the question have been asked, I, I think it could have been asked in a very, very different way. Um, it could have been asked with a sensitivity to the difference. And here, you know, uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Sarah Black, uh, just spoke to her before this, so she gave me, you know, a bit of uh, history of her own experience in this, you know, there's a, uh, uh, that I have to acknowledge, there's a, a real tension here between conservationism um, that is uh, often driven by a kind of a liberal and often a white liberal uh, uh, kind of, you know, cohort um, uh, and uh, both academically and also in, in the practice of it. Uh, and so, uh, another idea, another kind of way of thinking about it, which is which is about land and which is about uh, stewardship, ownership of land, etc. And um, you know, once one actually starts thinking about conservation politically, it becomes quite a different matter. 
And I think the way that the study was framed actually um, kind of deleted a lot of that kind of politics. And uh, I would even say manipulated the students and the respondents into falling into certain categories just by ticking certain boxes that served the political purpose of the study. But the study didn't, didn't look at um, the broader issues of, you know, uh, uh, how is land and, and natural resources managed or can be managed um, by, uh, you know, communities and, uh, and, and actually, uh, you know, in a <laughs> not not in not in I think uh, a way that actually in you know in the in in the sense of um, uh, the the practice of uh, conservationism that does have a colonial aspect. Now that really needs to be studied, um, and in a in in terms of a uh, a paper like this, the question needs to be asked: Is without dismissing it as some, you know, fallist, and by the way, you know, with the deepest respect to the, the, the Thieves Must Fall movement, um, she uh, characterizes the fallist kind of ideology as something irrational, I think, and emotional. Uh, whereas, in fact, it was a very realistic and very relevant questioning of the assumptions that we have, for instance, around conservation, around how to manage natural resources like land, nature, animals as well, you know. So I think the, the study could have been relevant if those things had been taken into account. Uh, but, uh, you know, immediately off the bat, um, the way that the study was conducted, the way that the uh, respondents in the study were pigeonholed into ticking certain boxes, um, I, you know, I think it couldn't possibly have, you know, you know like like uh, the professor said, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out. Um, it's not that the respondents were speaking rubbish. It's actually that the tools that were used could not deliver anything but rubbish. Okay, let me move on to that. Let me come back to you, Prof. Jimmy. In relation to process for the purposes of attending to research, does this mean UCT has to address the questions of academic integrity, ethical clearances, almost getting a sense as to exactly what is going to happen before a research of this kind is conducted and the necessary vetting process? This is not the first time we're dealing with a UCT-type research that has caused a hullabaloo in the public. Sorry, is that for me? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Look, you know, first, first, I, I think there are two stages that uh, a, a study of this, or any study in the university needs to go through. It needs to go through the scientific committee that will check the scientific uh, integrity of the study, and then it moves to ethical, uh, what do you call it, uh, clearance uh, application. And the basic question you ask in the ethical clearance application is, is the study likely to do harm to the participants? Yes or no. If it's yes, um, how do you mitigate the, the harm that is likely to happen and and and, uh, and 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 can you avoid the harm? Okay. The problem is that I think the scientific oversight of approving the study, there's some laxity on the part of if it went through a scientific committee at UCT. The ethical question, the ethical clearance question, which is what the editors of uh, uh, South African Journal of 
um, uh, science uh, released in a statement today, we're talking about doesn't tell you what a researcher will end up doing with the data um, after collecting it. So it is possible that you could, you know, what do you call it, say, you know, this, this study is exploratory, it's uh, just to, what do you call it, as, as she, she described it, and uh, it will do no harm. Your analysis itself requires that you, you yourself pay attention that you're not acting on ethic in, in you know in an ethical, on ethical manner and you're not doing harm to people. So that's 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 I mean this is where is where each of us as as as, as scholars bear this as individual responsibility. And and when we are caught out, nobody will defend a lecturer for sexual abuse. Why do you defend somebody for the abuse of, of the memory of people. Prof, are you there or are you done? No, yeah, no, no, I, I'm, I'm done. Oh, okay, fine, I, fine. I don't, I, don't, I don't know whether you heard me. No, no, I did. I did, absolutely. I just okay, thought that okay. you were taking a pause. Final question or final contribution from you, Mr. Van Furen. How does academia then moving forward? Because it's, of course, not unique to UCT, as Prof. Adesanya did say, and I'm going to ask you to very briefly respond to that. How do academic institutions strike that critical balance of responsibility and academic freedom? That was the first question, and I have to ask this question in the light of everything that has been said. How do we move on? Because the globe, the, the world is shifting. The world is shifting. We've got all these movements now, hashtag Black Lives Matter. That cannot be ignored in the context of your response. So, sorry, just to be sure, is the question... Yes, to you. How, how should uh, institutions... How, how should institutions contemplate what the movements of this world are currently talking about in relation to still the need to produce research material, however uncomfortable it may be, but always passing the litmus test from an ethics perspective. How should universities move in that direction? You know, the mechanisms are in place. I don't think um, there was any, you know, in, in this uh, particular case. I think the failure of mechanism was more that the, uh, uh, the research was published without properly passing through uh, peer review processes and it was given I think and here's maybe a key to the problem is because of the status that uh, certain academics are afforded and that certain journals uh, you know uh, and I think here also where this was published is is key you know who uh, allowed it to be published um, it was not passed by a proper peer review system uh, this particular piece of uh, you know as you wrap up I would hardly call it research, but but in fact, the mechanisms of peer review do exist. And I think one just needs to be careful that um, uh, a piece of research like this doesn't get given unnecessary credit um, because it has not passed peer review. Uh, it has not passed through rigorous academic uh, uh, kind of um, systems which uh, which actually evaluate this kind of data. It did not, and yet it found itself because the, um, the, the author uh, is at a certain position in a certain institution, um, this, this work found itself in the public domain with a certain credibility. And I think that credibility yeah, sure. needs to be questioned. Excellent. But it well, did not pass peer review. 
In other words, peer review is the litmus test. And for that, I thank you, gentlemen, so much for your time, Professor Jimmy Adesinia, as well as Mr. Mocker, Jay Van Fieren, respectively, at UCT and the University of the Witwatersrand. 2133, time for book reading.